This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We are going to kick off today uh, our series taking us all the way to Christmas Eve. Uh, God with us, and we're looking at the good news. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The four descriptive names of Jesus will be our outline for the next four weeks. But if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 1. I want you to follow along, starting in verse 18, as we kick off Christmas here uh, at Woodland Hills today uh, with the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, as we talk today about good news for those seeking guidance. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, and I'm going to let you explain that to your kids later, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all God's people said. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And this is through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And today we're going to see that God is with us now and forever. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And here's where we start Christmas at Woodland Hills. Here's where we start this new series. God is with us now and forever. And this is good news. You need to know he will never leave you. Follower of Jesus. Whatever you're going through, whatever decision you're you're making at this moment, whatever decision you just made uh, for your life, for your family, he is with you now and forever. And notice it doesn't say now until the end. Follower of Jesus, there is no end. It's now and forever. He's with you forever. And this is good news for the lost. Those who've never placed faith in Jesus, those who've never repented of their sins. This is good news for you today. Those who are lonely and feel like everyone's abandoned you, this is good news for you. For those who are broken or in broken relationships, we want to talk to you a little bit today. For those who are sick and for those who are dying, uh, Thursday I was called to uh, the hospital up in Springfield. Uh, One of our members was placed on hospice. And uh, I walked in the room, and I always, I'm always overjoyed to walk in a room that is full of family and friends in those final moments or those final days that someone has here upon this earth. And John, uh, his wife Elizabeth, told me, uh, <laughs> she said, Ted, you're about to, to lose the biggest laugher at Woodland Hills Family Church. He, he loves our church. And John uh, was a faithful member here at our church. He went to be with the Lord this weekend but as we stood by his bed and all sorts of thoughts go through my mind, and, and, and you know, you hear me say this often around here, it's in those moments where you realize what really matters. Where, where whatever you've been thinking about, whatever you've been processing, whatever you've been holding on to for purpose or meaning just kind of fades away. And everything that's important about life comes 
to the forefront. John's uh, brother-in-law, and I don't know if he's here uh, in this gathering or uh, here this morning, but he drove down from St. Louis to be with John and Elizabeth in these final hours and days, and uh, he's actually a professor at Liberty University, and we were standing there next to John's bed, and he said something I had never really processed before, and it stuck with me, and it was kind of a sacred echo for the rest of the week, and I drove home with it, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase because I was pretty emotional when he shared it, but here's, here's what he said. It's pretty close to what he said. He said, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm not really looking forward to the days leading up to it. He said, I, I know heaven is my home, and I know uh, the Lord is my Savior, but it's, it's the moments of pain and suffering. And I had my arm around Elizabeth. I said, how do you want us to pray? And, and we know that hospice care can, can be quite difficult and can be hard, not just for the person, but for those watching. And uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, as soon as he said that popped in, the Holy Spirit brought that to my mind. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And here is God with us again. You are with me. He's with us there in that moment. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Many of you know I quote Timothy Keller uh, around here a lot. He's a pastor from New York City that passed away in May with pancreatic cancer. Uh, I honor him. He, he, Chuck Swindoll, Philip Yancey, taught me so much about grace in the early 20s for me and in my early 20s. And he passed away in May, and some of his last words were right here. There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. And I, I, I wanted to start here today because this is, again, to where I'm at, and it's what I process. I, to go to the house of mourning, what does the Bible say? The, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. And some, and some around here say it to me often, you talk too much about death. It's a big part of my job. Like, I, I'm going to be there for a lot of you, like, or you'll be there for me. Travis and I were debating in the back, who's going first? And he's a doctor. I said, you will be by my bed giving instruction and, and explaining to my family. He goes, you, you think you're going to go first? I go, I go to Cracker Barrel way more than you do. Yes. <laughs> but there's no downside for me leaving. I, I hope every follower of Jesus in here, yes, there, there's work to do upon this earth. But that you would have the same tension the Apostle Paul had when he said, you know, to go and be with the Lord, I long for that. But I know I have purpose here. I know I have a job to do here. But I live in this tension of life and purpose here upon this earth and my desire to be with the Lord. And I hope no follower of Jesus at Woodland Hills Family Church fears death. Why? Because God is with you now. And through all of that and throughout all of eternity, he will never leave you. Jesus is with me when I'm dying. And here's where we're going to go today as we look at Wonderful Counselor. But he's also with me while I'm living. So I hope faith for you, salvation for you, uh, this season for you is not just about a salvation that promises heaven is your home and eternity with the Lord, that you understand what you have available to you while you are living. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you've seen it on greeting cards, it's shared often at Christmas, but we're going to get a little bit uh, deeper into it in this series. For Isaiah prophesied this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, you have to think about what the, the listeners that day heard when this was shared. Thousands of years ago. They were dealing with something uh, you and I can't really fully understand. They were dealing with incompetent leaders in government. Okay? 
You're like, don't you dare ruin Christmas with a political talk. Buckle up, here we go. Because let me tell you, it's part of the story. In Isaiah's day, the leaders were incompetent. So imagine somebody said, well, you're talking now about a Messiah who is coming to earth, right? We celebrate at Christmas, what? The first coming of Jesus, where he came to be our savior. He is going to return again. We believe in the second coming of Christ. And he is going to establish the millennial kingdom. And here's what you need to know about Jesus. He's the perfect leader. He, he rules perfectly with justice and with righteousness. I guarantee you, no one in here had this conversation. No one outside, no one at the chapel, no one in the port had this conversation at their Thanksgiving dinner table. You know, I really like how things are shaping up in Washington right now. <laughs> Let's be real honest. I don't care if it's the person you elected in the Oval Office or not. Even when you had your favorite president, some of you got to go back decades to figure out who your favorite president was. Even when it was your favorite president that you voted for, who was elected, you still complained about the government. I want you, I want my 60, 70, 80 year old friends in here to look back over the course of your life. You've always complained about the government. You've never go, it's really going well. The day is coming, you'll never complain again. And this is, now watch, now that, that, you can't just run through Isaiah 9, 6, part A to get to part B, these four descriptive names. You have to understand, these are tied to, he will rule and reign perfectly. He will govern well. And we've never experienced that. We've had glimpses of it probably. You're like, oh no, Ted, you wait. 2024, that's our year. <laughs> Everything's going to come together. The Hebrew term is, ha! <laughs> I hope changes are made. I want all you to get involved. I want you to vote. I want you to do your part. We all understand that. But if you're waiting for perfection for someone other than Jesus, it ain't going to happen. So now take that, now that you're all getting worked up. I've watched people. Look, you should be up here and watching people. It is, this is the best part of the job right here. <laughs> Watching people, they were all having fun. That's good. Yeah, you talk about the choir and stuff. No. <laughs> if you have your arms folded right now, just let them out a little bit. <laughs> Sit there with an open posture and let's keep going. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. This is the one whose government will be on his shoulders. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What does that mean? Jesus, our wonderful counselor, guides us in truth, wisdom, and discernment. How about this? Every word that comes from his mouth is 100% truth. Whew. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be something in a leader to know when they speak, it's 100% truth? <laughs> You're like, it is, Ted, and you know who it is. Pipe it down. Let's... <laughs> he can be trusted because what he says is true because he is truth. Wisdom, discernment. He's given us his word. This is truth. And we live in a day where when, when I, I see it, you see it all the time on the dumpster fire called Twitter. People get on there and go, hey, there's this one passage right here that doesn't really align with how I live. And so what people are trying to do is move the scripture to align to how they live. That's not at all how we come. We come to renew our minds with the truth. 
We come to renew our minds with the way we live. And we read something and we don't go, mm, doesn't really work for, what else we got in here? Uh, that's not how we read this at all. This is truth. This is truth. He's our mighty God. Now add to wonderful counselor, almighty God. He gives us strength and power for daily living. We believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that raised your lifeless soul. We believe the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power available to you right now to raise your dead marriage and your dead family. That's the same power. And that is in your leader, King Jesus. He is our everlasting father. He cares for us now and forever. This is very important. Sometimes this is probably the most puzzling of the four descriptive names because we, if, if you've studied and you understand clearly the Trinity, you're like, is he speaking here of his relationship to the other members of the Trinity? No, he's speaking here of Jesus and his relationship with time. That you are cared for now and not until the end. You're cared for now and forever. That is your King Jesus, everlasting Father. And he's our Prince of Peace. He brings order and right relationships. There's but one mediator between God and man, and it is the person of Jesus. He brings you in right relationship with God the Father when you repent of your sins and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead. You will be saved. That brings you in right relationship with God. And then it begins through sanctification and growing more like Jesus, having our minds renewed, we begin to build into right relationships here upon this earth. And that'll be Christmas Eve. So bring your family. <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll, get, they'll, yeah, bring that one uncle, right? Bring them. But this is where we're headed for the next four weeks. And today we want to look at Jesus, our wonderful counselor, who guides us in truth, wisdom, and discernment. Isaiah 9, go one verse more, verse 7. I hope you're encouraged with this as, we, as you think, of, as, as we're celebrating the first coming, the advent, that we think about the second coming of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's not just a thousand year reign in the millennial kingdom, it's forever. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This is your King Jesus. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So let's talk a little bit about those who need to make some big decisions and how you're making decisions. And is there a framework that we have that the Lord gives us to make these big decisions? But I just, I want to go around the room and go outside a little bit and in the lobby over at the chapel online. Let's just look at some of the big decisions that I know people in here need to make. Some of you are in the middle of pursuing a degree. You in high school went to uh, your guidance counselor and it was a 15-minute appointment. You felt stressed, so you had to pick a major. And you're in your freshman year and you're like, this ain't my major. I did that. I thought I was going to be an accountant. <laughs> I hate math. <laughs> I found that out pretty quick. Accounting wasn't for me. I learned that in my first week of Accounting 101. And so some of you right now are making the big decision not just to pursue a degree, but you have to, like, change degrees. And at, at the Christmas break, you're going to be thinking about it. Where do I go back? That's a pretty big decision, what to do with the rest of your life. No pressure. Uh, some of you are choosing a college. We're going to look at that a little bit. And hopefully the quiz we take here at the end will provide some framework for that. How do you choose a college? Because when I look in the scripture, it doesn't tell me, go to Mizzou, go to Arkansas. But, but there's a lot of guidance on how to pick, how to pick and how to pick something you can afford. <laughs> You know, how to not go into mounds of debt. I mean, we'll talk about that in a moment for some of you, so hold on to that. Some of you need to relocate. Oh, I hear this all the time, people visiting Branson. 
And they, they come on one vacation and they're like, we're moving here. And a lot of them did in 2020 and 2021. Some of you relocated and you found out pretty quick that we don't eat funnel cakes every day. We don't ride go-karts every day. Like it's a normal town with normal jobs and people go about and do life, but you're, you're relocating. Listen, moving, moving where you had roots with your family, that's a, I would say that's a big decision. You need guidance on that. Some of you are thinking about starting a new job or maybe a business, and to do that, you have to make another big decision, that's to quit a job. And quitting a job ain't easy. You got to make that decision, and now you're, you're trying to formulate the conversation you're going to have with your boss or with whoever, you know, whatever manager oversees you at work. Like, that's a, that's a big decision. Some of you are making the decision whether or not to retire at 8.15, which they're all retired at 8.15. They were like, check, decision made. Don't even need to make that decision anymore. How about this one? Buying, selling a house. I talk to a lot of people. They know, hey, we need to buy a new house for our growing family Something came up and we can't live in this house anymore. We need to sell it. And we're going to see today knowledge, right, is, is knowing the right thing to do, okay, no, knowing the next step you need to take. Wisdom is knowing when to take it. Knowledge is knowing the right thing to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Let me say it again for the husbands. Knowledge is knowing the right thing to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. So you know you need to sell your house, but this month may not be the time or it may be the time. Right? You, you have to decide that. And those are big decisions. So how do you get guidance for that type of decision? Some of you are caring for aging family members or you're coming into that right now. How do I care for an aging family member? Two, two calls this week on this one. And let me just tell you, follower of Jesus, you are called in Scripture to care for your aging family members. That is your responsibility, not the government's responsibility. But it looks very different from family to family. Like, some move them into their house, and some of you are going, uh-uh. Some have an apartment down the street or a house next door. Some put in assisted living. Some are in retirement homes. So there's all sorts of ways for you to care for your parents or to care for your family. But you're in that decision right now, and it's, it's a big decision. Isn't it something, just when you think you made one big decision for your life and things are going well, here, okay, now I'm back here, and I've got to make another one. There are those in our church who are deciding right now on what treatment plan. They were offered a few options. They have a second opinion, some a third opinion, and so they're deciding on treatments. There's also people in our church who are making the decision to stop treatments. Those are big decisions. There are young people in here with the big question, should I ask her out? That's a big decision. You know what's a bigger decision than that? Should I ask her to be my wife? That's a big decision. I met a guy at a conference a little bit ago in Oklahoma and uh, brought his girlfriend up, and they were, it was a marriage conference, and I said, how long have you guys been dating? He goes, seven years. It's like, whoa, all right. <laughs> what kind of analysis, paralysis we dealing with here, bro? And then I found out he was an accountant. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. You know what? He was letting a budget. And he was living, and how many of you got married poor? Would you just raise your hand? Look around the room. It's possible. We've talked about this in our last series, or two series ago. You get married, you build something together. And I'm just looking at him going, bro, pull the trigger. Make the decision. The budget might not make sense, but just build something together. And she's sitting there going, mm-hmm. 
Some of you are thinking about ending a relationship. Heard from some who ended it after the last or two series ago on getting to know you. And, and here's the thing. You know, you already know the right decision. It's, it's uh, executing that decision. We'll talk about that. Some of you um, are, are deciding on whether or not to divorce. That's a, that's a big decision, not to be taken lightly. And you, you ask for wisdom and guidance from church leaders on that. Some of you are married and wondering when to start a family. Or you have issues with infertility and you've, you're making the big, big decision on adopting or fostering. You realize this decision just doesn't affect you and your spouse. It affects the whole family. And so, like, you're bringing other people. I mean, these, just so you know, that's just a day in the life of a local church. The decisions that need to be made. So how do we gain wisdom? Have you ever heard someone say this? If I knew then what I know now. I wish I knew, right? And, and we like, and it's interesting how decision-making and time go together. Or maybe you've heard somebody say this. I wish I would have learned this years ago. I love that when a 60-year married couple, they've been married 60 years. True story. Uh, Lloyd and Jean from Iowa, uh, they were married 69 years, and he came up to me after an event once and put his finger in my chest and said, I wish I would have learned this years ago. He got married and went to World War II and came back. And I'm just, I am always amazed when I see senior adults, let's just be honest with the time is limited, going to a marriage conference, going to retreat. They want to learn. They're like, just, I just think of everything that would happen. Listen, we say this at our church. Whether you're 20 or 70, we don't want to live like fools. We want wisdom. We want guidance. So don't think at 70, there's just too much in my pet. No, no, don't. Do not feed your regrets. Ask Jesus to redeem your remaining days, however long that is. Because have you ever heard someone say this? Young person, let me talk to the students and young adults in our church. You want this set of you. You are wise beyond your years. I don't know if y'all know what's happening in our student ministry and young adults ministry at this church, but let's get behind it and let's cheer them on in a big way. Because I have enjoyed getting to talk to my young adult friends in this church. And, and I'm, just, I'm listening for, like, what, what is their role? What will they be doing in this church? What is, how are they going to take the leadership? And we want, there'd be nothing greater than to hear about Woodland Hills. They have hundreds of students and young adults who are wise beyond their years. They, they, they know who to hang out with and who not to hang out with. They know when to leave a situation. When they have wisdom in every situation. In Psalm 90 and verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I look around this room and Solomon calls gray hair blossoming almond trees. We've got a lot of blossoming almond trees in this room with experience. And, and, and now listen, age is not a guarantee of wisdom. Can I get an amen on that one? But the longer you've lived and the more mistakes you've learned from and the more guidance you received and leaning into biblical community and studying God's word and spending time every day in prayer with him, 
It is something that as we grow older, we learn a lot. I was thinking about all these sayings we just looked at on the screen. I, I don't know why, but I've become a big Dave Ramsey fan again. I listen, who listens to Dave Ramsey? Like, I just, I listen to him because I want to, the callers that call in with their questions, I'm like, you've never listened to this show. I'm going to answer it for you right now. It's real simple. Don't drink coffee. Don't go to restaurants. And don't drive anymore. And when you're 60, you'll have $87 million in the bank. How many know what I'm talking about? That's Dave Ramsey. Don't live life now, but wait until you're old and got three years left and then go party it up. I'm not, so I'm not 100% bought into everything Dave talks about. But, but I'm, I'm just fascinated by, by some of the calls that come in. I get it when it's a 20-something, like, trying to learn. Like, tell me. Tell me, I just inherited this or... And people, lottery winners call, and Dave's like getting them. But then when he's talking to the 60, 70, 80-year-old person who got bad financial advice, and I just love when Dave, he says it often, stop asking your broke friends for financial advice, right? Find wisdom. Find wisdom in how you handle money. And you're like, I ain't got no money to handle. You still, don't feed your regrets, whatever your age, but gain a heart of wisdom, whatever number of days that you have left. So we're going to take this quiz, but before we do... I hope this quiz brings joy and delight to your soul because I don't, when Jesus would teach, we have all sorts of words to describe how the crowd responded to Jesus. Amazed, astonished. I love this one, Mark 12, 37. The large crowd listened to him, look at this, with delight. When you read the Bible and it confronts you and your life, does that bring joy to your soul? Or a, mm, maybe that's not what it says. I'll find a more progressive Christian to help me with this one. Or do you read it and go, I need to change? And does that bring delight? Adam shared it a couple weeks ago, and I just love the term. God is not a cosmic killjoy. When your parents tell you no, young people, it doesn't mean they hate you. They don't sit up at night and go, hey, what ways can we make our child miserable tomorrow? That's not the heart of a parent. The parents are like, I, I know where wisdom will guide you. And I know you hang out with that person. That's not wisdom. Right? You, you, you turn out, you're like the sum total of the parts you hang out with. And they're, they're, they say no to some things that you can look at, and maybe it's going to be years later. Like a five-year-old gets denied sugar all day long. They're not, they're not at the end of the day going, thanks, Mom, for looking out for my health today. But years later, this is, this is in relation to time. We can look back and go, man, our parents were smarter than we thought. They knew some things. Do you have that type of delight when it comes to God's direction, guidance, and truth for your life? So here, let's just take a five-question quiz for guidance. And I hope whatever big decision you need to make, and we, we, we looked at, I think all of those are pretty big decisions. I guess it depends on where you are in life. But, but I mean, big decisions, and maybe this will also help guide you for some of the smaller decisions that you're going to make this week. It starts, number one, have I asked God for wisdom? James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Just to address a few people here, some of you, you, you don't pray as a family. I just want to encourage you, start praying at mealtime, and go beyond the, dear Jesus, thank you for this food, amen. Like, be specific, right? Give praise in your prayer. Confess in your prayer. Give thanksgiving in your prayer, right? Make requests in your prayer, like, do that at mealtime. If, if all you ever do as a family or as an individual is pray at mealtime, I just want to encourage you, go outside of mealtime. 
pray in the car as a family. I have a son at college, and we don't hang up the phone with him until, right? I did it, you know, last night. Hey, let me pray with you before we hang up. So you can pray on the phone with your kids before they leave the car to go to school. Before you go to bed, when you get up in the mornings, you sit at home and as you walk along the way, asking God for wisdom. We pray this every day, Amy and I, for our adult children. Lord, give them wisdom and discernment. They're going to be in situations where decisions have to be made and the pressure is on that they would go your way and they would lean on you. So ask God for wisdom. Number two, what does the Bible say about it? Search the scripture. Yeah, the Bible may not tell you directly what school to go to, but if, the, if it's a school you can't afford and you're going to be, a, you know, the Bible says the, the lender, right, is, is lords it over those who are the borrower. The borrower is a slave to the lender, right? And, and you don't, you're like, I, I can't afford to go to that school. And that's all right. That, that's wisdom to say, I'd love to go to that school, but I can't. Right? So what does the Bible say about it? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Everybody at the debrief after 8.15 said, I cannot read that verse without singing Amy Grant. Uh, yeah, thy word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. He will direct you. And remember, a, a light for your path doesn't mean, I always love somebody asked me this week, what's your five-year plan? Doesn't that, does that, anybody else get fearful when they hear what's your five-year plan? Right, I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm having for lunch today. Let's stick with me for just a second. But, but I, I, don't, I don't have to see. I know the Lord is with me now, and he'll be with me way down there. I need to know what next step I need to take. Some of you are, are, are you know, right now, some in our church deciding, should we move in together? Let me give you, let me look it up. No, no. We looked at that and getting to know you. No, don't move in together until you get married. Some of you are living together right now, and you're wrestling. You, you haven't let the conviction of the Holy Spirit work through your life from the series we did, Getting to Know You, and the messages that came out of that. And you've been wrestling with, Lord, should I move out? I'm going to tell you, you don't even have to ask for that wisdom anymore. Because the Scripture says, yes, do not arouse or awaken love before it's time. Should I stop sleeping with my boyfriend? Let me look at that. Yes. Should I stop sleeping with my girlfriend? Let me look at that. Yes. You see, this is why, yes, ask God for wisdom, but when it's clear as day. So the question for you is, do you delight in this? Knowing that this is for your best. Again, not God the cosmic killjoy, God who cares for you. Psalm 1, 2, those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. I want to read it and go, that is truth. You've been in a room where truth is spoken and there is wisdom and it's almost this, because you know it. Here's another one. Number three, do I have enough information to make a decision? This is a big one. All who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. Fools rush into decision-making, but, but a wise person can say, I need to take a little time with this decision. I need to gather more information. And at some point, you have enough information. My spreadsheet friend that I met in Oklahoma, I would say, had enough information. He needed to make a decision. And some of you have enough information, you need to make the decision. Some of you don't, and you need to gather more. Remember, knowledge knows what to say and do. Wisdom knows when to say it and when to do it. Number four, key. Who do I need to seek advice from? This is a big deal. For you to go, again, Dave Ramsey says, don't go to your broke friends to ask for financial advice. I would also encourage you, don't go to your jaded friends to ask for relationship advice. 
If you have a friend that is constantly on their ex-spouse and running them into the ground, not the person you're seeking marriage counseling from. If you're, if you're with someone, and they can be a friend, they can be a family member who, who you never hear them say a positive word about their spouse in public. Don't go to that person for help. The scripture says plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. This is the difference between authoritative and authoritarian leadership. Authoritarian leadership says, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to do it all on my own. I'm just going to... Authoritative leadership is good. That's the leadership you want. That's where you seek input from your employees, from managers, from whoever you're working with. It doesn't mean you're taking everybody's input and decide, but you're like getting other advice and other wisdom. And there's people in this room across this campus who have made big decisions like you're making right now, find them and ask them. What did you do when you were in this situation? Heed it. I would tell you, look for old people. Old people are your friends. Find a couple who love the Lord and love each other and take them on a double date. Find the couple who's done well with money. They manage money well. If you don't know how to manage money, find someone who does and take them out for coffee and, and put your finances before them. You're like, I would never do that. Do it. Get advice. Get wisdom. So you're asking the Lord. You're seeking what the Scripture says. You're gathering information, and you're asking the input of others. And then here's a big one. This is key. Number five and final, we'll close with this. Will I do the right thing even when the next thing isn't clear? Will I take the right next step even though I don't know where this is going to lead. This brings new perspective to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now here's the key, two parts of verse 6. First one, do the right thing. In all your ways, submit to him. Right? Do the right thing at all times. And look what it says. He, our, our counselor, our wonderful counselor, full of truth, wisdom, and discernment, he will make your paths straight. Do the right thing. I work, obviously, you know, I do a lot of work with couples and uh, recently shared with a friend who uh, is making a big decision. And um, like, you know, on remarriage and all that, he's been divorced and, and uh, not, I just don't hear him speak well of his, his ex-wife. And, and I said, here, can I just give you the, the Lord's word for this? He's like, yeah, I go, I need you to start treating her like your enemy. You could see him kind of like, yeah, I'm like, keep going. I like this. I go, and let me tell you what that means. Love her, pray for her, offer her food and drink if she's hungry or thirsty. And some of you are going, is that Ted going woke? No. That's not woke. That's Jesus. That's how Jesus tells you to treat your enemy. And we'll get to that when we get to Prince of Peace. But some of us, some of us, we're making this big decision on an island all by ourselves, like, I'll figure it out. No, no, no. Ask the Lord this week. Spend some time. Actually, ask your family, hey, we got a big decision about our house. We got a big decision about my job. We got a big decision about relocate. We got big decisions to make. Can we gather for 10 minutes and pray about it as a family? And all we're going to, we're going to just seek wisdom discernment on this one decision. And then we're going to spend some time searching the scripture, whatever that may be. Search the scripture on work. Search the scripture on relationships. Search the scripture on money. Gather up information. Have we thought this through? Ask someone. Make a phone call. Hey, can I talk to you for just a few moments? I have this decision to make. If you were in my shoes, what would you do? Have you been in my shoes before? 
And then I encourage you, followers of Jesus, do the right thing at all times. If you don't follow this number five, this is when people start to take shortcuts. This is when they start to cut corners to get their agenda. But listen, lean not on your own understanding. Do the right thing. Don't cut corners and trust the Lord who has your path planned out. I, I don't know exactly where I am in five years, but he does, and he's with me now and forever. And all God's people said, would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful for uh, how you guide us and direct us. Uh, and we take delight in it. We want to take delight in it. Give us wisdom and discernment. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, and we are grateful. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. That they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that he's been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. And that they would meet with someone from our prayer team before they head out of here today. That they would let us know about that so that we can walk alongside them in their new faith in Christ. We pray this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, amen.